This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. We're very happy to have with us legendary college and NFL running back Eddie George here on the program. And Eddie, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're a super busy guy. Yeah, nah, Ira, thank you for um, allowing me to do this, man. Um, you know, I saw you in the gym in Phoenix, and, you know, it was, it was good to, to meet you there. And uh, your comments when you mentioned about Tennessee State and who you knew who we were, what we were about. Uh, it was very intriguing, man. And I, as guy, he knows. He sees what we're trying to do. He recognizes. So uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So, Eddie, before we get to Ira, I got to tell you about my favorite football memory. And I'm a Giants fan, so you'd think, you know, the Tyree catch, the Super Bowls. It wasn't that. Uh, in 1999, I was going to college in Nashville. And you guys won the AFC Championship game over Jacksonville. And mm -hmm. you, they flashed on the news to all the citizens in Nashville. Everybody get to the stadium. The Titans are coming here. And you guys really were. And I'd never heard of anything like that. So we fill the stadium. It's free. And you, Steve McNair, came out to the 50-yard line, addressed the crowd, said, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I'd never heard of another city or team doing that. I just want to say thank you for making a, a lifetime memory for, <laughs> for a young fan. Hey, that was a wonderful time. That was a wonderful moment. I you know, uh, it takes me back to when we were drive riding on the bus back from the airport headed to the stadium, and I'm sitting next to Bruce Matthews, and he said, man, I've been playing this game for, what, 18, 19 years at that time. He said, this is the first time I've ever tasted real victory. Man, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl, and I was just like, oh. It was an honor to sit next to him and to hear that statement come out of his mouth. And the work that we put in, the, the trials and tribulations that we had to go through to even get to that point, from leaving Houston to going to Memphis, playing in Vanderbilt, couldn't give away a ticket. And to have that moment where we beat the hottest team in the league at that time, you know, you, you can say what you want about the greatest show on turf in the Rams. Jacksonville, that team was serious that year. They lost all three of their losses came to us. So, you know, that was a um, – that was a an honor and a great day, man. So thanks for for that memory right there. You no, know, and Eddie, you, you nailed it because you guys were new to the city. You know, there wasn't really a Titans yeah. fan base yet, and this is this endeared the city from you know from the from the get go. Everyone was like, "Wow, this team is here for us. We're we're going to be Titans fans for life," and it still holds true in Nashville. No, we couldn't give away a ticket. Remember the Nashville Cats? <laughs> yep. They had more clout than we did. It's crazy. The football team. You know, we had to, they, you know, we, we go to the club and the, the bouncer would say, hold us to go off to the side and they would have the, the red, the, the rope, the red velvet rope, and they would let the national cast in before us. And we had to pay full price. <laughs> <laughs> Ira, what do you have for Eddie? Well, Eddie, I, I was, we were talking about, you just mentioned we were at the gym. I was at the, what, Marriott Chandler. I'm running on the treadmill. And I'm like exhausted because, you know, the Super Bowl parties, everything. And I don't see you, but I see your sweatshirt. Just a reflection is this Tennessee State. So I'm spending, I ran like four miles. And I'm thinking the whole time, uh, Tennessee State, Eddie George. Like, I wonder if this person knows him, or, you know, whatever. And I'm just thinking because it's so, you're now like, you know, you're symbolic with Tennessee State. And then I get off the treadmill. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Eddie George. So that was so great. But I, th I had about 30 minutes of thinking about Tennessee State and like saying, well, I wonder if this person knows Eddie George and what 
the program's like and those things. So it's so, so awesome to have you on. And, and you know, there's been so much about HBACUs. We have the whole thing with Deion Sanders, but what you're doing at Tennessee State is tremendous. We're here on six stations here in South Florida, and, and I know you're down here recruiting, trying to bring great players from this Florida area to Tennessee State. I'd love to help you out. Man, please. If you know, if you see any big offensive linemen or any fast twitch uh, receivers, running backs, cornerbacks, linebackers, defensive ends, um, you know, water boys, whatever, <laughs> I'm looking. I think, um, you know, I'm looking all over this planet for, for diamonds in the rough. I'm not necessarily looking for the five star, four star kids. And, you know, I'm looking for kids that are passionate about football, that are smart, that are intelligent, that are disciplined and that want to do more and be more in their lives. And, and with that clay, we can mold them into what they want to be. And uh, it's not that hard. You know, I, you come in, you embrace being a student athlete, the student first, and you come in doing your job and you want to be great. You want to be coached by some of the best. You want to be in a great city like Nashville, Tennessee, uh, get an exceptional job and opportunity in an international city, which is growing. Um, it's exciting. Just today, we had a, a wonderful review in terms of where we're moving forward as a as an institution. Um, the, you know, we were down at the state capitol, and we have agreed that both sides are going to move forward over the next year to really putting more money into infrastructure, into our scholarship money, um, our enrollment preparation, staffing, food services, and of course, uh, recognize you know a housing shortage that is really an issue across the country, but as it relates to Tennessee State University, um, you know, we're looking to solve these issues. So it's an exciting time uh, to be a Tennessee State Tiger, and any kid that has the desire to play football and to try to get to the next level, and I'm talking about the NFL, CFL, USFL, XFL, you have a chance to get molded and guided and get there. You know, you have an opportunity to be seen. You have that platform to get there. So um, that's what I'm about. So you went to Ohio State University, one of the greatest traditions in all of college football. You were the Heisman Trophy winner, award winner, the Walter Camp Maxwell, Doak Walker, Big Ten MVP. You're number 27's retired College Football Hall of Fame. But talk about what you're trying to do at Tennessee State like to what is what Ohio State has. I know Ohio State has the greatest band in the world. Tennessee State has a great band also. But those other similarities. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ohio State has a great band. But Tennessee State has a Grammy Award-winning band. Okay. Two Grammy. <laughs> so there's a difference. All right? This, this, Tennessee State Acrystoratic Bands has won two Grammy Awards this past year. So it is, uh, it is, it is a, a distinct difference. But continue. So, but it's for one, the program, but also the cities. Columbus is the capital of Ohio. It's a city school. And then mm -hmm. Nashville. I mean, people mention Tennessee State. Well, where is it? It's in the middle of nowhere. No, it's in the middle of Nashville, which I think is yes. the coolest city in America right now, where everybody wants to go to. And you go to school at one of the coolest cities in the United States. No question. I mean, Nashville has grown so much since I've been here over the last 25 years. Um, went from being a small, intimate uh, city with great Southern hospitality into this international um, uh, phenomenon where people from all over the world are coming in every single weekend. You know, tourism has been up over the last um, 10 years. You know, you walk downtown, you drive by downtown, you see up to 30 cranes in the sky. And this was, you know, during COVID and during the downturn in uh, 2008. 
Um, so it's a city that is constantly growing. We have great leadership here. We have uh, a bunch of corporations from Amazon to um, Bridgestone to HCA, uh, sports and entertainment, just constantly grow. So there's opportunities for your kid or for, for kids or young professionals to get op, uh, jobs here in Tennessee. Uh, the cost of living has gone up, but, you know, there's opportunity for you to make money here. So, you know, being here uh, right in the middle of Nashville for Tennessee State University and HBCU, uh, which has been around since 1912, uh, we, we need to be elite. Where our, my goal is to have our program grow with the city of Nashville and to have that same elite status that excellence um, that, that it so deserves. The bones are here. Um, when I tell you from facilities to location to opportunity to uh, um, land-grant money to, to more opportunities for development in this general area, it's, it's off the charts. And there's no reason why this university shouldn't be uh, the absolute best uh, in the country. Um, if we put all our resources together, we put a plan together, we execute on that plan holistically, it can be done. You know, we talk about NIL money and how important that is right now to recruit kids. And, and I was thinking when I went to Penn, and I certainly wasn't a star football player, but I went to University of Pennsylvania in the city of Philadelphia, and I could work you at can. different jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could work at different jobs and different things. But Nashville, I know you were a Broadway actor. You went to, to school after you retired. Um, all the opportunities, if say you were in, in music and you wanted to, where, where's better to go learn about music than in Nashville and be connected to so many people? So I could see so many opportunities. You go to school, be a great football player but you get all these valuable experiences while you're there at the same time no question and you, you mentioned you, you know the opportunities in entrepreneurship our our four core pillars are tradition education entrepreneurship and performance and the entrepreneurial aspect is something i'm passionate about i went back i got my master's in business in the school of kellogg school of management at northwestern and you know i'm teaching and preaching to my student athletes and my football players about not just having a plan A or a plan B. You're not falling back to anything. Thing. You're falling forward to your plan A. You know, so you're, you're, it's all simultaneous. You're building your brand. You're building a football career, but more importantly, identifying your passion and being an entrepreneur after that. So we've had relationships with the um, Nashville Entrepreneurial Center where we're having some of our student-athletes go in with a business idea, take it from uh, A to Z, nuts to bolts, and create a business plan and build a business uh, within that. You know, a great, op- a great example of that is one of our players, Kevon Pope, who came from Ohio State, a transfer student, uh, developed his own candle business and sold that to a convention center and got some, you know, uh, a pretty decent amount of coin for that. Um, and we've established relationships with Deloitte where we're going to have internships for our student-athletes, where they're going to get paid you know, uh, X amount of dollars per hour. They're going to give a, give, be given a laptop, an AMX card. So they're giving that on-hand experience of what it's like in the corporate world. So we're preparing these young men for life, and not just to get a job, but to be leaders, to be entrepreneurs, and to be owners, and to be agents of change. So it's not just you know, getting a job and be happy, but really having an impact on, a, on the community uh, where you're living and, and just be having, and having that, that significance. So it's, it's holistic. 
Seward nine years at Houston, Tennessee, first team all pro, a four-time Pro Bowl, almost 11,000 yards rushing, 70 yards, touch, 70 touch, 68 touchdowns. I love the one category you were in. You were the only player besides Jim Brown to have 10,000 yards rushing and not miss a game, and only Walter Payton had more starts than you. And we're talking about an NBA load management. <laughs> You're playing every game as a running back, the most difficult position. But you know, you took all that and you didn't go into coaching. You went into acting, business development. But then what got you into coaching after the, after a number of years out of uh, out of football? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I was just looking back at my, my time over well, my life. I'm about to be 50 this year. I guess you had that reflective moment. Uh, and when you hit this, this milestone of your last 10, 20 years, where the years go? And I'm like, man, what did I do? What did <laughs> you I did a lot. I felt like I didn't accomplish anything, like you know. But I, I did quite a bit. I, 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 you know, studied as an actor shortly after I finished playing football. Got on, did things on Broadway, did things in the Nashville Shakespeare Theater here in, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, the Repertory Theater. I've got my master's in business. I started businesses and so forth. And you know, right around the pandemic, you know, things slowed down. And I'm at home. I had my wealth management business, and I was, you know, happy with um, working with my youngest son, um, who was in high school at the time, uh, working on my nine iron, you know, trying to get that to go straight, and, um, you know, working on my wealth management business and some entertainment property. So I didn't have the time to really focus on coaching. I was not even thinking about it. But long story short, um, the president of our university, Dr. President, uh, Glenda Glover asked me to be the head coach for her team. And I said, well, you know, I don't have any coaching experience. She says, well, I know that. You know, I, I feel like you will be great at it. I think you're a great leader. You're a great ambassador for Nashville. You played the game. You can put people around you to be successful. So I thought it was a joke at first. But when I really searched my, my, my spirit and asked myself the question, is this an opportunity that 10 years from now, if I didn't take advantage of it, I would be kicking myself in the butt. And there was something in my spirit that was just pushing me toward it. And I kept dreaming about it, thinking about it. And I was like, man, the impact I could have on these young men, you know, um, moving forward, based off the stuff that I know now, the things I wish I had, and the business acumen that I've attained, you know, not just from a football perspective, from a life perspective. You know, the case studies that I have about, you know, meeting – uh, financial advisors that try to take advantage of me, uh, business opportunities that were terrible, you know, uh, relationships, mom and dad, once you, you know, go into the NFL and how things could change and just preparing them for that next step. If, and when they get there was so valuable. And I said, man, I have so much to give to the game that gave so much to me. And if I have to pause on my acting career and it looks a little bit different right now, then so be it. Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone like myself with no football coaching experience to be coaching a Division One school at a predominantly um, black institution, an historic uh, HBCU, uh, very rich in history. All it needs is a little love, a little guidance, uh, the right opportunities, the right resources, and this, and this place could thrive, and this could be a huge part of my legacy. And it was a no-brainer after that. 
and not to discount these player, the people that go into coaching at age 22 and are you know work their way up the system. Right. Your life experiences has prepared you for this transfer portal, NIL, all this other stuff. Yeah. This age, I think, better than someone who just went into coaching when they're like 21 years old. Yeah, because it's a business. I mean, I'm the CEO of this of this of this particular um, arm of the institution, and it's, and it's the football team. And I played the game. I, I know it inside and out. I've, I've sat on various different boards. I've started businesses. I, I, come, through, I, I come to this opportunity with a different lens, a different perspective, uh, to your point. And it's like connecting the dots from a business side, but also I can get gritty in terms of what the culture needs to look like on the field, what their product needs to look like, and marry the two. So even in acting, uh, the acting part helps me out because the best – the best attribute or the best gift that an actor has that you must have is not just giving lines in a great way. It's to listen, to listen and to react. So as a leader, I have to listen to what others are saying about themselves and what they're saying about the program and, and what's needed. And then based off of that information, I can then feed off of that energy and respond and accordingly and then say, okay, I'm willing to understand by listening, and after I listen, I'm going to be understood in terms of how things are going to go and how we're going to get there, laying out that vision, laying out that map, laying out the course that we're going to take to achieve what we want to achieve, and not just winning championships on the football field, but putting together a sustainable program that lasts uh, the test of time that will outlive me. And that takes time. You know, this is equivalent to a battleship uh, with no rudder that's out in the uh, middle of the ocean, and you're trying to get a rudder to work, you put that rudder back on, and then you have to turn this big big behind battleship back against the current uh, to go to the direction that you wanted to go in. So that takes time, and that's what in the process of, that's where we are in the process of building this thing. I listened to a couple of interviews you gave, and you were, of course had you can pick up the phone and call some great minds and you you actually picked the brains of a number of tremendous coaches when you got this job asking them questions in terms about being a coach yes i talked to number one um the man that, that started it all off for for guys like myself um deon sanders and i asked him i said is this possible with me and not having any experience you know deon prior to taking the jackson state job wasn't given an opportunity. He wasn't taken seriously. He was coaching in high school, the high school ranks. He coached in um, Little League, coached his sons, and the Jackson State gave him that opportunity, and he did it his way. Um, talked to Mike Tomlin, Jeff Fisher, Mike Vrabel, Luke Fickle. Um, uh, I talked with uh, Jim Tressel. You know, I reached out to my old coach at uh, high school. I talked to every coach that coached me <laughs> at every level to talk me out of this. But, you know, the more I talk to them and confide, confide in them uh, about, hey, my, here are my strengths, but here are my weaknesses. This is what I don't know. You know, and I've had to embrace what I don't know and understand that I'm not going to have all the answers. But it, it, the beauty is, is finding those answers and uh, seeking out the help, you know, bringing um, people in, on board that's going to help you build the program. So, um I have a vast network of, of individuals that I lean on and mentors that I lean on in this business. Um, and I continue to learn and grow in that capacity. 
And one part of that is being a CEO is creating a staff. I looked at the, your staff of coaches. It's tremendous. It was lots of experience. And it's great that you were able to put this all together. I, I, I told you a little off the air that one of my friends who coaches at Robert Morris, you took his strength and conditioning coordinator uh, down there. So it seems like you've got this amazing staff here at Tennessee State. Yeah, I have a, a great staff. Uh, it's changed since year one. Um, and that's part of the process is the, getting the right people in the building and getting the staff right, getting the feel right. And this being my first time doing it, um, I had to, to figure out, okay, well, this doesn't quite, this piece, this type of energy doesn't quite fit into the building for what I'm trying to do. Not that it's wrong. It's just not the tone and the texture that I'm looking for for this particular group or unit and where I want to go. And, and for some guys, they've, they've gone on to better opportunities, which is great. This is what it's all about is coaching these guys to coach and um, getting them up out of here for better, bigger and better opportunities. So um, for me, the success comes from the staff that you put together and having conversations, not just football staff, but academics, food service, um, compliance, uh, training staff, uh, the the weight training staff, everybody that touches football, we all have to be on the same accord, have, have the same standard, um, and have the same vision, and have a communication streamlined because you have to hold these kids accountable. And I'm trying to create a culture here where they're held accountable at every turn that they touch this campus. No matter if you are in the cafeteria, you act a certain way, you're in the dorm room, you act a certain way, the classroom you act a certain way you are about campus you're held accountable in a certain way so if it comes back to me that you were rude to a young lady on campus you go you got a price to pay um if if the same thing holds true if you're not in the front of the class if you're not wearing the right stuff on the football field you're held accountable if you're not keeping your room clean if you're treating like trash you got trash everywhere you're knocking down doors you're being disrespectful in the the housing department you're going to be held accountable at every single turn that you have, uh, turn at Tennessee State and you're wearing our T-shirt, you know, that says Tennessee State football, you're representing excellence. It has my name on it. You're going to be held accountable. And that's what we're trying to create here. And Tennessee State has a great history. I think there's four NFL, four players in the NFL Football Hall of Fame that went to Tennessee yeah. State. You have scientists, doctors, I mean, famous people all around, including Oprah Winfrey, who went to Tennessee State. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some, some major people that came, to, came through these doors, man, that's walked this campus. Oprah Winfrey, like you mentioned. Um, a, a, a ton of others. Wilma Rudolph. I mean, the, the list goes on and on about who's come through, who's graced these doors and walked this campus. And and left their impact here, um, both in the business world and sports-wise. So this is a great history here, the tradition that we're trying to build on. And these are the things that we're trying to bring to fruition. You talk about, you know, uh, the four, the four uh, players that are, uh, or two or three players that are in the, in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. You know, we had Ted Tutal Jones, who was the first overall pick. So when people say, hey, you know, you can't get to the NFL uh, by going to Tennessee State, that was BS. We have the we we put we produce more NFL athletes than any other HBCU. That with 122, 123 players in the NFL that's come through Tennessee State without the resources. They've been able to do this without the proper resources. You know, when you come through here, you're going to be better because you got to go through some stuff. 
to get there. You you'll be you'll be, you will be well prepared for life when you come through Tennessee Tennessee State based off of um, doing more with less. So we're trying to get it to a level where, hey, you know, just the bare necessities. Say, hey, this is what we have: housing, adequate food, safety, all of that, and then elevate that. You know, we're trying to go from good to great, and then from great to imminent. And that's and that's kind of the process that we're following here. And then one thing is developing players. You know, not just bringing great players in, but developing them. Think of yourself in terms of when you went to Ohio State. You started out hot. I think you had like five touchdowns in a, in your first couple of games. But then you were benched for like two years after two. If you had a couple of fumbles in a game, and then yep. you didn't transfer. You you stuck it out. You you worked your way, and you had two of the greatest years in the history of Ohio State, winning the Heisman Trophy your senior year. It's different today. It seems like one. You know, I'm not starting. I'm just going to transfer. Transfer portal. I'll go somewhere else. You know, some kids are playing in four different schools in four years well the business of college football has changed and that's due to the leadership that's ahead of them when you, when you see your college head coach you know leave in the middle of the night to go for another opportunity that's where the business is and that's where these kids are learning it from and they're and they're catching up you know uh saying hey if i can't get an opportunity here i'm going to go somewhere else whereas when i was coming up it was all you could still jump out of the trans, jump in the transfer portal, but you had to sit out a year and all. And I thought of that, but at a much deeper level, for me personally, if I had have I had left Ohio State and not faced that demon and not met that challenge head on and searched somewhere else where it could have been easier, I wouldn't be who I am today. I won the Heisman Trophy. The moment I won the Heisman Trophy was after my fumbles, and after I stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I pulled myself out of the tank and took responsibility for where I was and began to work my ass off and work harder than anybody else. That's the moment I won the Heisman. I won the Heisman my sophomore year when I wasn't playing. I was cheering my teammates on the bench and, and waving a towel, figuring out, you know, my time will come. You know, I, I, and I kept working. I kept believing. I kept, that's the moment I won the Heisman. And just winning the award, just had to catch up with that. So it, it, it truly is a, a mindset. It's a commitment to, to that, willing to do what others aren't willing to do, willing to do uh, to work in the darkness when nobody's seeing and operate with the same type of integrity, not cutting corners as if somebody was watching. And I've, I'm a living testament to that because I believed in that. I, I lived it, and I continue to live that. So, yes, um, my success, you know, came from those hard moments. And, and that's what I tell our, our student athletes is that you embrace those moments. When you get your teeth, your teeth kicked in and you, you have a setback, that's, that's gold. Now how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to handle adversity? Because once you embrace that, once you embrace adversity and you um, make it your friend, then you're going to go off to excel to do great things. And you give your mother a tremendous amount of credit for encouraging you to stay in Ohio State. And also, when you were in high school in Philadelphia, struggling in high school, she, said, you know, as you said, worked seven jobs at one time to put you into Fork Union College so you could get that opportunity to even go to Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, worked several jobs, man. Um, as a waitress, she worked at Ford Motor Company. She had her own boutique shop. Um, she modeled. Uh, my mother was a uh, relentless hard worker, man. And I didn't appreciate 
you know, all the hard work that she did. I mean, I was a kid. You know, she was a single mother raising two children, doing the best that she could do. Um, and it wasn't until my rookie year in, co- in, uh, in the league where she finally paid off the final payment for, ten- for uh, 14 Military Academy. She drove down um, there, you know, the way, same way that she drove me down four years prior to me being there and paid off that last installment. And uh, I didn't, I didn't know about it. My my uh, my coach uh, Mickey Sullivan told me about it. So she she was committed to uh, her word, man. And it was, it, it and it was a ripple effect in terms of how I've been able to change my life and turn my life around. And it's rippled into how r- rippled into the lives of my son and permeated into their lives because they both went to a private school, all boys school. My oldest son is at. Vanderbilt went to Vanderbilt, uh, graduated with an econ degree. He's going to be graduating here soon, shortly in May, from the USC uh, Film School. And my youngest is at Montgomery Bell Academy, a prominent private school here in Tennessee. And um, he's going to be playing football for me next season. And he had offers to go to Furman and um, a couple Ivy League schools. And he picked to come hang out with his pop. And help me build this program because he sees the value in it and he sees where we're going. And uh, something that I don't take lightly. So um, my mother, um, had, you know, she started something beautiful when she made the tough decision to send me away at the age of 15 because she could see the potential I had and see I was doing nothing with it at that particular time. So a lot of times people see, we talk about schools and they're like the ease into their schedule next year. Uh, you chose a different approach. You're playing at Notre Dame, the first game of the season. Yeah. Talk about that game. Uh, I mean, it's going to be on NBC. It's just tremendous to have that. What, what uh, the shine, the spotlight on your program in the first week of September. Yes. I mean, listen, Notre Dame is Notre Dame. That's, that's, it doesn't even than that unless you're playing against Alabama or Georgia or U.S. I mean, it's it Ohio State. It's it's the, the greatest brand. We're going to play in the probably um, one of the greatest venues in all of all of sports. Um, South Bend, touchdown Jesus, wake up the echoes, the four horsemen, the Heisman Trophy winners, all Americans, the national championships that they won. Well, guess what? You know, we come up there with with something similar to their. You know, they're a great tradition. We've won, what, um, 13, I believe, uh, championships. Um, going back to the John Merritt days, we have a slew of, of All-Americans ourselves, uh, first-round draft choices, and a Pro Football Hall of Famers. And it's going to give us an opportunity to show the world where Tennessee State is, where, we're, where we are, and where we're going. From a facility standpoint, from a culture standpoint, from um, from really to really raising the bar uh, above and beyond the excellence that that we have been able to do far, um, and we're very excited about it. I'm, I'm always one that I'm listen. I'm going to compete. You know, put the ball in the dirt and let's rock. I don't care who you are, and we'll deal with the outcome as it comes. But it's going to be a great opportunity for our young men to play in in, in an historic game against uh, such a great brand as the Irish, and then get into the meat of our schedule.
you know, we had on this show a month ago Tom Coughlin, and here's someone who's won two Super Bowl championships, built the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you, know, you know, great, should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. But the point is that he said his most fun time was when he was at RPI, and he said, my job was to walk around campus and look for big kids who and teach, tell them playing that football was fun. And that's sort of what, you, what you're doing now at Tennessee State is you're building this program from the ground up with for the facilities to the players to everything. It, it, it must be just so fun for you. I mean, fun for you to do this in terms of trying to create this entire atmosphere and, you know, turning, as you said, the battleship around. No, nah, it, it is, it is, it is fun. Um, it has its challenging moments. Uh, but anything worthwhile is uphill. And um, I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy uh, getting with the staff. I enjoy talking about personnel. I enjoy, um, trying to raise money for our, our student athletes. Um, it, it brings me joy to see the light bulb go off in a lot of these young men are saying, hey, I used to try to do it my way, but I'm going to buy into uh, doing it our way, buying into the team. You know, if I can change that B, the, w, the M and me upside down, you get we, you know. So uh, that's 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 been gratifying, and it's been – stretching me personally to um, not just be diplomatic, but to rule with the iron fist at times and, and feel comfortable with that. And it's okay because if kids want to uh, go and thrive and, and, and have the principles of, 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 of being great in life, then you're going to have to go through some tough shit. And I'm going to make it as, as hard as possible for you to get through this program because you're going to appreciate it on the other end. And my practices are hard. My, my, our workouts are difficult. Um, my, my demands are you, you, you do everything right or you'll be held accountable and you, the consequences will be big. So that's how I was raised in it. And, and that's how I continue to, and I'll continue to press the, the bar when it comes to that. Football is the ultimate team game, and you know, we, with the NIL, it's so much me, 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 I, 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 as you just said. But really, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes goes back to pass the ball and one offensive lineman doesn't do his job, he's going to get sacked, and he's not going to be the Super Bowl MVP. So it really is that that idea why football. You know, I love football so much is because it is that that classic, the true team aspect. Well, if Patrick Mahomes, one guy misses on Patrick Mahomes. In terms of up front, he has the ability to. to okay, move in the he was a bad analogy. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so maybe we're Tom Brady, yes, but <laughs> no, you're right. The ultimate team sport, and we preach that just do your job, and knowing the situation, you know, knowing your opponent, know the plan, and then executing at a high level. And if you don't succeed, learn and grow from it, and figure out uh, the best way to get it done the next time and go around. So we try to keep things simple in that regard, but um, it, it is the ultimate team sport, like you mentioned. Well, Eddie, I really appreciate you. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for coming on. I know we're down here in South Florida, and it's hard to think about going anywhere but South Florida to, to play any sports or go you. to college. But if there's anywhere to go, Nashville is fun. So, you know, if you're a parent out there saying, boy, it would be great to go visit my son down in, into, it's up in, uh, in Nashville, that must be a fun place to go for football weekend. So uh, just uh, that would be phenomenal. Man, no question. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.